You're listening to Incredibles with Jasmine Arch and Damon J. Clay. Hi, and welcome to Incredibles. It's me, Damien J. Clay, and I'm here with... Jasmine Arch, the talker of the bunch, apparently. And today we've got with us a special guest, Negativa. Say hello, Neg. Hello, folks. I don't know how special I am. I'm special in some ways, I guess, so that, that is accurate. Cool. So, um, Tiny, how's your writing week going? Well, um, it's been a bit of everything, really. It's been very frustrating because I got completely stuck in my novel. I took two days, some a little bit more, off to just read and recharge my batteries, and it's done wonders. And then yesterday, I got the funnest email ever um, saying that a poem of mine got accepted. So all in all, I, I, can, I think I can close the week on a positive note. How about you, Neg? I think you're a little more productive than me since you uh, got something published. Um, I'm hit and miss on the writing front. Uh, I have a short story that I was working on for that aftermath uh, writing contest, kind of a post-apocalyptic sort of deal. And I can't can't stop editing it. <laughs> um, Self-editing, of course, at this point before I have anyone else look at it. But I'm stuck in uh, rereading, tweaking, rereading, and, and tweaking. And uh, got to get out of that loop, I think. Well, there's only one way to do that. And what would that be? To just put it down and give it to someone else. Valid point. I got to draw the line somewhere and say, okay, uh, enough is enough. The baby is is born. Now hand it off to someone else and I'm going to make a new baby. <laughs> you know, I wrote, th- I read this really great article by a friend of ours. We all know him and um, it was called Baby in the Blender. So maybe it's time you tossed your baby in the blender, Nick. I do remember that. Uh, do remember reading and I think about it every now and again. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to have to cut the cord and uh, not necessarily toss it in the blender, but uh, release it into the wild, so to speak. <laughs> so how has your week been, uh, Damien? Mine's, mine's been really good. Um, I, I, th- I finished a, a second draft of a, uh, a new novel and I've already started in on um, the another new novel <laughs> and i'm as of today 14 chapters in so um yeah it's been going well neg if you call me productive what do you call that oh well nothing beats uh damien's productivity i'm i'm constantly jealous uh shocked uh impressed by the amount of words he, he's pushing out and and i haven't read his latest stuff of course but i've read his uh Pieces on on Amazon is, is published pieces there, and if it's if the quality is anywhere approaching that, then yes, jealous, impressed, any of those words. Well, I I don't I don't do it to upset people. <laughs> well, we love you for the writing you produce, Damien. Um, it's just that yeah, we'll just have to plot along at a slightly lower pace. I'm afraid. It's one of the things that um you know, you have to establish about yourself is, you know, how much, how much can you do and still be productive? And, um, you know, because writing at all can be a, a really tough thing. Um, and, and I, I believe the article that, you, that you're presenting this week actually has a lot to do with that. Um, yes, it does. Um, it's mostly about how to not feel like what you're doing is futile in the face of all the 
awful, awful things that are happening everywhere in the world. Um, how to not lose courage when you look around you and see the whole world um, going to a very bad place. Um, but mostly what, what drew me in about the article, other than the hilarious title, is the fact that it does so in a way that just puts a smile on your face, I think. So um, the article we're talking about is by uh, Chuck Wendig. And the hilarious title is How to Be a Writer in This Fucked-Ass Age of Rot and Resistance, which is a, a fairly good title. Uh, I think it, it, it does what it says on the tin. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought the writing, the writing was very good itself, even before we get to the content. Um, I like Chuck's style quite a lot, and I know you're currently reading one of his books. I am. I read that article and at the side of the page on his blog are like novel titles he's got out. And I saw that one and I clicked through to Amazon and I did the read inside thing and I was just immediately sold. It's, it's hilarious and it's, it's great. And it's really forcing me to think about things in a completely different way. Um, but yeah, I love his style and I love how he does everything in a sort of dry wit. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a complete fan. And th this book is a damn fine story. Yes, it is. And I've got to say it's the first time a book about writing has got me glued to my seat and rushing to read on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a very rare thing. Um, I think the first one for me was probably... Um, David Mamet's Three Uses of the Knife that did that, which you know isn't specifically about writing, I guess, but it's related. But, but it's good when you can read something, you know, which is essentially a, a, a document on technique, and it and it isn't dry. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty rare thing, I think. Um, how did you like the article, Meg? Once again, I'm sitting back here, uh, not having read the guy's work except for that uh, article, uh, which I did read, and I enjoyed it. And it's very uh, irreverent and humorous and insightful and maybe somewhat preachy, maybe somewhat has an agenda and, and that's okay. Cause it wasn't uh, in your face. It wasn't front and center. Um, but I enjoyed the article and, and a lot of the ideas presented um, made it easy to read. If it was dry and literary, I don't think I would have finished the article. So I, I thought what we could do is, is just take the, uh, the headlines pretty much that, Chuck's written through the through the article, not actually not actually read the article, but just discuss those those elements ourselves, and you know how we feel about them when it comes to um, being a writer and actual writing. So um, the first one is it's okay to be pissed off and upset as fuck. Tiny, what do you think of that? Well, he's right. I mean, how the minute you look at a newspaper, or the minute you watch the news. How can you not be pissed off and upset as fuck? Um, that said, it just, to me, it becomes story fodder, I guess. I think it's, it's important to look at what's going on actually in the world as well as, you know, um, reading other people's work. They're both very good sources of, um, as you say, story fodder. But I, I think writing, you know, writing is interacting you're interacting with your readers and you're 
kind of processing your own view of reality you know even if that's somewhat sublimated um i think it really is important that we look at what's going on in the world and we let that affect the way we write to to keep things real as they say how about you neg i kind of subscribe to what uh, tiny's saying that some of it is uh, story fodder because you don't write in a vacuum you don't write without experiences Um, i don't know how much a person can really get from reading a headline and turning that into a story but it might be a good you know place to start but uh, in general, uh, speaking to the uh, section header, that particular uh, portion of the article, uh, I think generally speaking, you have to be angry about something, you have to be happy about something and love about something, passionate about something to be able to write about something. Um, so if you don't have that in some fashion, I know the article is generally speaking about being angry about things in the world and then you know, picking up your pen and, and you know, doing something about it as a writer. I think generally speaking, as a writer, you do have to feel something. And if it's anger that you feel or rage or frustration as a result of reading a newspaper or watching the TV or generally observing the world around you, uh, I think all of that is uh, a good impetus for writing passionately. Maybe it's a given, but I still see what we do primarily as as being storytellers. You know, that's number one. That's the thing we have to get right. As long as we get that right, then then we get to add in our own kind of motivations and our own desires for for what we want our writing to achieve more than telling a good story. But I, I think a, telling a good story is always going to be first. But it's 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 like what Neg says too. If something you're indifferent about is never going to be something you write a great story about, I think. Uh, the, the next one, second, it's okay to look away. Well, again. I can't, I can't say I disagree. Um, you, it's, it's not just, it's more than looking away, but as much as there are things in the world that are going very wrong, it's sort of not only okay, but it's also necessary to, to look away from that and to see that there are good things still to be seen and heard and felt as well, because why else? Why else would we just keep going and keep working and keep breathing if it's not because there are things out there that are still worth it? You know, to, to, to work and to write, you need to generate space around you. You know, you're going to utilise a lot of the stuff that happens around you when you're actually within the process of writing. I, I don't think you could be very productive if you're worrying about world events or stuff closer to home even I, I think you need that space. You need that space around you to be creative. You you need to rest and relax and recover from the horror of the world, I think. And I agree with everything you folks have said on that. Uh, my little personal anecdote on that is that, uh, you know, a person can go in too deep and you, you become, uh, it's, you know, it's like driving past a car accident and you can't help but watch. And if you get into that, that mindset too far um, and you, see too much of it and you, you get too deep into that and you, you look for these patterns in the world and you're looking for these terrible things that happen and you're, you start to get depressed. And that didn't happen to me, but it happened to my brother when he was younger and he was uh, an, basically an addict uh, to the news. Um, he was depressed about living, depressed about life. Um, you know, he looked at it too closely, basically. It's, you know, staring into the abyss. Uh, and that, that was, that, that took him out of, living and life for a long time he wasn't able to cope so there is a balance to it and 
um, he's still recovering from it some 20 years later. Uh, his early decisions in life and that, uh, that period of his, in his life uh, it has impacted him, you know, decades after the fact. So as a writer, you know, especially if, you know, if you're writing about something dark, you know, you don't want to go in too far. You don't want to research too much. You do want to take a break. Uh, you don't want to let it Im- impact you and affect you too much. And I found that has happened to me at times as a writer. Uh, you you almost like an actor in a movie. You almost you know become that person that you're writing about. You're almost that person in the story. And I don't know that that's necessarily healthy if you're going too far that way. I mean, this is that's exactly how I felt when I wrote Jack Starry, my novella. Um, I really felt like I was taking on the role of Jack when writing it. And um, yeah, I got very close in. Um, but I, I think that that gave me something a little bit different that I, that I haven't got from um, a, a lot of the stuff that I've written. So yeah, I, I think it's a balancing act. Probably more, probably more so when you are, you know, writing a first draft. I think I think once you've got that out, it's much easier to balance and you know to to get the space you need to edit. And you, you'll probably never feel as close into. Um, the character and their mindset and you know the level of crap they might be dealing with i i found that especially so with you know with both malachi and and uh, jack's diary so words are weapons this is the third point that chuck makes well they can be but i don't think i don't think they should be primarily weapons it's like in your book um Malachi, it's a story everyone should read. That's true. And it's, it's something everyone should be aware of. And that's true too. But if your story, it's not the facts and, and the events that you're describing that make people read that book and that make that message stick. It's because people laugh and cry along with Malachi and they see what he sees and they fear what he fears and the book just grabs you by the throat and sticks your head it into the pages and it won't let you go and that's when the message you're trying to convey sticks with your reader for the rest of their life if the message becomes the main part of your story and you forget about your characters and about your readers your message is never going to stick anyway with Malachi, with all my writing, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, as I said before, you know, creating a good story is the primary thing. And a big part of that in, includes, um, obviously the, the character and how the reader hopefully is going to relate to the character. How do you feel about all this, Neg? I, I like the fact that you, uh, uh, mentioned that, you know, some, some folks have, have an, have an agenda when they're writing. And, and obviously you do as well, Damien, and everyone that writes, they have a purpose behind the reason they're writing. They have an agenda and they have a message they want to get across. And uh, I don't mind that as a reader if the, if the story is there. You know, the story still has to be the first thing. Yeah, and that's the reason I'm reading it. If I want to read some manifesto or propaganda, that's I'll go look for that, you know, separately. So the story has to be there first. But me as a reader, at least personally, I'm sensitive to hidden agendas in the things that I read. Um, it's almost like, and I don't want to say it is, but it's like subliminal advertising. You know, you don't want to read something, read an article, a short story, or a, you know, a novel halfway through, and then 
discover that, oh, this is what the, the story is really about. This is what the novel is really about. And it's not what you signed up for as a, as a reader. You know, I don't want to be fooled into reading something when I didn't choose that at the beginning. And I don't mind twists and turns or, you know, layers to my story, of course, but I don't want the, I mean, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, the show versus tell thing. If the, if the author's voice starts telling me things, I get turned off. So I want it to be, you know, relevant to the story, make me feel something. It's part of the story. It's part of the characters. It's passionate. It's, it's involved. It's important to the story. It's not just a layer on top where the author is using that as a platform for his own personal agenda, you know, separate from the story. So it, it's, it's a fine line, I suppose, but uh, that's me as a reader, a little more sensitive to that, uh, that sort of thing. So, so it seems like you're saying those, those layers are okay. It's, and it's okay to do that so long as you remember what it is you're doing and, and what you're doing is trying to tell a story. Yeah, that, that, that's my, that's my point. You say words are weapons and that's the, you know, the third header of this article we're looking at words are weapons. That's true. But you know, I don't want, I don't want to read about activism. You know, if you're writing a letter to your Senator, you know, that's great. You're writing a letter to the editor that appears in your, your newspaper. You know, that's great too. But you know, I don't want that in my, my fiction story. I don't want that to be the purpose of the fiction story that I'm reading or the novel that I'm reading. I don't want that to be the sole purpose. Um, so it has to be skillfully woven in so it doesn't look like I'm being preached to or told what to believe. So this, this brings us to the fourth point, which I think relates very well, which is words are a door. That actually takes me back to the second point as well, because it's okay to look away, but by offering a sort of doorway to another world, you can also help people look away and do a bit of escaping and do a bit, have some of that self-care we tend to forget about, but we definitely all need. Yeah, I, I think as well, one of the things that it can help you do is look at a, a difficult subject, but, but give the reader some distance from it as well. So you put them into this world of escape. And you still deal with the things that you want to deal with, but, but you do so at a distance. This kind of seems to uh, almost be the counterpoint to the previous uh, section header, you know, in the sense that words can be a weapon, they can also be healing. You know, they can also be helpful. They're an escape from the bad things, both for the reader and the writer as well, you know, to maybe not if, if it's a super unpleasant topic, but a lot of times, you know, you can escape into that other world and, and um, you know, as escapism, I can, I can see the value there. And, and of course, you know, the, the amazing thing, um, especially when it comes to first person writing is, is you get to escape into someone else's mind, you know, which is something you can't do in real life. Which is fine. As long as it's not a first person zombie novel, in which case it starts to be <laughs> A lot of uh, grimacing and no, don't go there, don't open that door, and you don't have any control over it. So you're just kind of taken along for the ride. So the fifth section, words are Trojan horses. Well, that brings us back to the words are weapons thing. I mean, you can use words as Trojan horses, but it shouldn't be your objective. Um, it's still about telling a story, but I think it's that's his way of saying that that the best way to actually convey a message is to wrap it up in a story that hooks people and that keeps them reading. It's probably obvious to say, but, but generally this is, this is a chap who, who really wants people to, to have this 
um, layer on on their stories. I mean, I, I'm guessing, like most of us, you know, he wants to tell a story too, but he's definitely pushing the idea that, you know, your writing should achieve something beyond the basic story, beyond entertainment. I'd, I'd be curious to see what the measurement for that, that beyond the basic story, that that message or that achievement or that more than entertainment, I'd be curious to see what that threshold is, you know, to him. And I wouldn't know because I have not read his any of his work, so I can't, you know, judge any of his uh, interpretations of his own rules. But uh, I think that's something that'd be worth exploring. Yeah, I mean, there's a school of thought that says um, the theme, themes of novel, which is which is kind of what we're talking about, um, that they should they should emerge naturally, even to the point that the, the writer shouldn't shouldn't push that stuff um, consciously within their novel. In Chuck's book, he talks a lot about plot and how you should let your characters be the architect of the plot instead of being part of the architecture. So I think he's he's actually a pretty big uh, advocate of letting your story sort of evolve organically. But I think this article is more about offering different ways in which people can make sense um, out of something you can't really make sense of, which is why do we write? Um, and people do that for different reasons. And I think he's just trying to say that whatever your reason is, it can be okay too. It's fine to write for whatever your reason is. So, so his sixth point is connect with your community, which I think is... Um a very good one considering what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Well, isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only say he's right. Um, finding the right community, finding um, what I've read in some articles, finding the right tribe uh, to be around has made all the difference for me personally. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm sure if you're um, listening to this, there's pretty much no way you're not going to know that we we've, we've set up a writing community on Discord called Incubator. Um, but yeah, that that's that's what we're talking about. So, what difference does it make to you, Neg? You know, have, have, having a place where you can come and chat writing and and um, share your work and get feedback and stuff. There's like so many levels where that that applies where that helps uh, as a, as a writer. Um, I mean, it's hard to know where to start, you know, but being in a, in a, in a, a group of like-minded individuals where you're all kind of doing the same thing, struggling with the same struggles, you know, going the same direction, you all really are on the same page, you know, more or less, you know, trying to accomplish the same thing and reach the same goal. Um, so you always have common ground, common things you can talk about. And you can expect that the other people are going to know what you're referring to. And I think the other big thing is that, you know, essentially peer pressure. Uh, when you're in a group with other writers, obviously some people are going to do better than others. Mr. Damien J. Clay, uh, more productive than the rest of us. So then the rest of us are like, well, well it's, it's or, or, you know, tiny getting, getting a poem published. You know, whatever the thing is, you know, we all want to be there whatever that thing happens to be and you use that as you know the the engine to push your own desire 
a little bit farther and a little bit further because it's way too easy to slack off on your own. You know, in a vacuum, you can make any number of excuses and rationalize any number of, you know, delays. Oh, I'm not writing today. I'm not going to write this week, you know, whatever, whatever. But when you see all your buds and all your friends hanging out in Discord and somebody's getting published and someone just put a short story out and, you know, you're reading their work or you're editing their work or whatever it happens to be, you know, it, it, it constantly tickles that little writing bone in your body. And you're like, well, I should be doing this too. There's no reason I can't do this as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I've kind of landed myself in it to a certain extent with the new novel because um, Z- Zombie's reading it to his kids as I'm writing it. And so now I, now I have to keep up. I, I, can't, I can't fail to deliver a chapter when they need it. Maybe we should all just get him to read our novels to his kids so we have a reason to write. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably want to screen some, some of the things that people write. <laughs> <laughs> they may not be age appropriate. Well, I think my novel qualifies for that at the moment. Yeah, it probably does. Um, so how about you, Tiny? What, you know, what difference does being in a writing community make to you? Well, it's for me, it's the difference between being absolutely convinced that I couldn't do this. I, I, I've always loved creating in all forms. Um, I started out doing art when I was younger and I'm self-critical to a point of paralyzing myself because I'm never happy with what I do, with what I make. And it got so bad that I got completely fed up with, with art and I stopped for 15 years. And then recently I started back up again and I, I, I couldn't believe how much I'd missed it and how much I convinced myself that I didn't miss it simply because I was convinced that I couldn't, I couldn't possibly be good at it. And that's how I felt about writing as well until, until a couple of people read uh, my first story and sort of reeled me in and started helping me build my confidence, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be writing and I wouldn't be getting a poem published soon if I hadn't, if I hadn't found that community. I mean, I, I went to university to study uh, writing and when you're in that environment and you're working with a load of people, you know, um, and you're workshopping and swapping work and that kind of thing, it does make it so much easier to motivate yourself. And I think the moment I left, I felt, I felt like I'd lost a great deal. And, um, it, it really wasn't until I'd found discord and the first writing community I joined that I, I started to feel like I was part of, you know, a whole group of people doing something and, and it really, it really is motivating. But for me, also with the idea of connecting with my community um, obviously means for me as well the LGBT community um, which again goes back to you know weaponizing writing and um, having strong themes um, and and trying to make a change in the world um, and, and I, I see those as part of the connecting with your community as well because if you see something that you feel needs exposing because let's let's face it you know as a writer you're probably 
never going to change anything by yourself. You're probably not even... I, I certainly don't think I'm good enough to change people's minds. But I think what I can do is I can make people think about things they haven't thought about before. I can show them things that maybe they don't really know are happening. And so I, so I then I don't have to persuade them. I kind of just have to tell them a good story and, and let them, let them see it. And then they can make their own minds up. And I, I agree with all that. Just to add that, uh, you know, you're not necessarily making things better because I've never, and I, not, not to contradict, not, but you, know, you never convince anyone of anything. I've always found that to be the case is that, you know, people believe what they want to believe. And no matter how good or persuasive your story or article is, you know, you know people don't really change their minds, but you can plant the seed. You know, you can make people think about things a little differently where they, uh, you know, will acknowledge new ideas as potentially being valid. And if you're doing anything, you know, maybe you're making people think, you know, maybe, maybe they're feeling better about one thing or another. They're happier after having read your story. They're more, uh, you know, emotional about things. They're more aware of things, whatever. They don't have to change their minds or their positions, but at least they're aware. You're not going to change the world, but maybe you can change the world for one person. If, if one person reads your book and doesn't feel alone anymore because he realizes other people have the same problems where he thought he or she thought uh, they were alone, then you've, you've accomplished something most people don't accomplish for, for all of their lives. If you put a smile on one person's face uh, when before they, their day completely sucked, how amazing is that? It doesn't have to be about huge changes or big messages. The little stuff matters just as much and can be just as rewarding. Okay, so let's let's go to the last one, which is probably uh, my favourite one and probably the most important of all if you're a writer. It's fuck it. Put words down wherever, whenever, however. I'm rarely without a notebook in my purse or a bunch of post-its in the pockets of my scrubs at work because you never know when you're going to have an idea and you just want to write it down. I've spent half my lunch break and, and some time in between patients today, scribbling words for a slant rhyme poem onto a, a note block um, because I, I didn't want to forget them. That that's basically the only way I, I usually get to write because I have, I, I'm pretty busy. I work full time um, and we're renovating a house. So every five minutes I can steal to put words down is like a small victory of its own. I mean, I'm still really bad at this. I'll suddenly get an idea and I'll think, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. That's that's going to solve this problem for this particular piece that I'm writing. Um, and I think, oh, that's so good. I'll, I, I won't forget that. That's, you know, I won't need to write that down. And um, then I get back to trying to write it. And uh, of course, I've forgotten it. Famous last words. I know, it's terrible. How, how about you, Nick? How, how do you fit in as much writing time as possible? Well, once again, I'm jealous of uh, Tiny and her productivity and her post-it notes and her <laughs> notebooks and all that stuff. Well, me, I run out of paper. I tattoo my ideas down my arm and up my leg. No, um, no it, it's, a, it's, it's the same sort of thing for me, and I think this last item of this article is actually the easiest to understand. It's basically just saying, you know, 
right. <laughs> Put some words down just right, you know, and, and it, I think it's a uh, perpetual motion machine to some extent. Once you get it going, it doesn't, it doesn't stop because at least for me, when I'm, when I'm writing and writing consistently and writing often, uh, I, I feel productive. You know, you have a thing at the end of the day that you can look at and say, well, I did that thing. Whereas if you didn't write, you have nothing at the end of the, of the day uh, that you accomplish. You know, you know, obviously within reason, you're going to do something in your, in your life and your day-to-day job and what have you. But, you know, it, it's a nice little uh, thing that you do for yourself to make yourself feel productive, to feel good. You accomplished something, you created something. You know, we all know creativity is good for the brain. You know, writing is certainly good for your uh, mental uh, gymnastics and your mental uh, abilities. So, I mean, there's a lot of value to be had there. And I think the, the, that the writing in general, just, just do it, is, is about as simple a statement as you can make. It's not, it can be more than just creativity as well. Uh, for some people, it can really be an outlet uh, for things they have trouble dealing with, which is how I, I actually started writing. Um, I started writing to keep myself sane never having thought of the fact that that might've been a lost cause already because very, very few people who know me will call me sane, but it can be more than just an outlet for your create creativity. Um, and the only way to get the benefits of that is by just doing it. Don't worry about how good you are. Um, don't worry about, will someone want to read this? Um, the only thing you can do if you want to grow and evolve as a writer is write. And every time you write something new, it will be better than, than the last bit you write. Um, but for that, you just need to get in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this entire article asks some very essential questions for a writer. You know, whether you agree with uh, what Chuck is saying and suggesting or not, I, I think we all have to kind of answer these questions about where we are as a writer. You know, do we want to um, have inner messages? Do, do we want to use our words as weapons and, and try and change people's minds? Or, you know, are we just happy telling stories? I like that it made me think about all these things because in a way I agree with all of them, even the ones that contradict each other. The one that rings true to me most will depend on the mood I'm in, I guess. Um, but most of all, it made me think, and he tends to do that to me. And I really like that. I like that. He's not saying right to escape or right to, to fight, um, or, or right as a way to rebel. Um, I like that. He says it's okay to do this, but it's okay to do that as well. He's basically leaving it up to us to take away what we want to take away from it. I happen to like that interpretation. Um, I mean, his writing style seems to be pretty much throwing the rule book out the window, you know, say what you want, do what you want. Um, and I think he's advocating that to writers in general that, you know, find, find whatever works for you, find whatever reason works for you, find whatever theme or message, you know, delivery system, what have you. But I think his ultimate message is just write, you know, go out, go out and write and, and, Take what pleasure from it you may, and what uh, rewards or responses from it that that you may. And whether you agree with it or not, all seven points or not, um, the ultimate message is still pretty clear. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So, thank you very much for joining us, Neg. 
It was great. It was fun. I enjoyed it. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Uh, and until then, it's goodbye from me, Damien J. Clay. From me, Jasmine Arch. And from me in the corner, negatively. Nobody puts negatively in the corner. Ha, ha, ha.